So this evening we're going to have a swell time and it's going to be a time of impactation. All right, um, let us bow our heads and, as we pray and uh, we launch into God's word this evening because we have good grounds to cover. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you speak through me right now. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit divine. Communicate your thoughts and intents to your children. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Give everybody listening, both present here and online, the ability to receive what you have to say in the name of Jesus. Thank you because we depend on you, we rely on you. As we have come to seek you, let us find you in Jesus' name. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Those that have made it here, not because you could not have been anywhere else. Um, you had other reasons that... Um, you decide not to come, I also go online, but you came in here. And my prayer is that the scripture that says he does not call the sons of Jacob to serve him in vain, that scripture will be fulfilled in our lives in Jesus' name. Every encounter we are going to have with God today shall translate into testimonies in our lives in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to continue on the very powerful subject that our senior pastor started out sometimes the beginning of the month of August. And some of us can recall that we started this very powerful, simple, yet impactful teaching on how to stay calm in the face of life challenges and difficulties. You recall. And you remember that this, the, the, the flyer for that particular uh, teaching was stay calm, I mean, be calm, stay calm. Am I correct? Yeah, be calm and stay calm. Um, be calm, remain calm, no matter what, says the Lord. Now, I need us to please understand that when God speaks, I need your attention now in a moment, this is not a reactionary message. This message didn't come because God wants to react to the situation of the nation. No. When God speaks, he speaks way ahead of the enemy. Now, if for some reasons there is no situation around you right now that is threatening your calmness, it is not for you to ignore this instruction because a day will come that this statement will be relevant to your situation. God speaks ahead. That's why his words are like prophecy. So when the man of God started the teaching, at the time he started, as it, sincerely speaking, there was nothing really threatening my calmness. But then I have people, friends and colleagues, who call you on every basis and say, eh, Pastor Steve, can you please send me 5,000? Can you please send me 10,000? And then it dawned on me that indeed there is a whole lot of crisis going on out there that if we are not careful, people will lose their mental health. Sanity will deplete. And so when the Lord spoke this word, it's to prepare us for either what is already happening or what is coming. Are you following me, saints of God? Either what is happening or what is coming. So we are not going to just gloss over it or, or glide away from it. We're going to stay on it until we have a full comprehension of the import of this message. Are you following me? So, and Pastor Yomi showed up on the scene again and then went to the message folder and talked about it on Sunday. And who can remember the title of the message on Sunday? Who can recall? Why worry? Why worry? Can we have a slide? Because uh, I think I'm hearing tongues of men from this quarter. Some people are speaking in tongues over there. Can we have the slide of Sunday service? The one that um, Pastor Yomi administered by the Spirit of God in continuation of the subject of be calm and remain calm no matter what. And you recall that the anchor scripture for this message started from Psalm 23. It said, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay. I recall that the most important line I picked from the message is that don't worry. Is that correct? Don't worry, don't worry. Now, I'm going to continue on the same subject this evening because so why worry? So why worry? So why worry is the title of the message. Now, I'm going to continue there. And I remember that the anchor scripture he brought up was in the book of Philippians. Um, you can see it on the screen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, do not be anxious or worried about anything. Easy said and done. Easy said and done. It's pretty easy to say it, but in the reality of what we are dealing with, sometimes it can be difficult to apply. And I love what he did. He took his time to communicate what we need to do not to worry. So I want to please appeal to us this evening that I'm going to continue this subject. Now, one of the reasons why I'm going to stay on it is very simple. It occurred to me that worry... The emphasis of pastor on the Wednesday that he handled this subject was on fretting. You can recall, fretting. Fretting, anxiety, worry. 
Honestly speaking, listen to me. They seem to be one of the most potent weapons of the enemy that cuts across everybody, whether you are born again or you are not born again. As a matter of fact, it, is, it seems to be one of the most toxic weapons. I remember a story I read in the book about um, the enemy came out to do what they call a weapon uh, exhibition. The you know, demons came together and the devil came together and they were doing exhibitions of all the weapons they use against Christians. And interesting enough, they brought all kinds of weapons ranging from fornication to adultery to murder to theft. They brought all kinds of weapons. And a gentleman who came to look at the exhibition saw a particular weapon that was looking very rusty, tattered, overused. The weapon the guy saw on the table of the exhibition was a weapon that was looking very rusty, very tattered, very worn out, and so overused. Then the man had to ask the demon in charge of that particular table to say, why is this particular weapon looking so used? You know what is written on the, on the, on the weapon, the name of the weapon? No, worry, not, not worry. God bless you, discouragement. Now, you would agree that by the time they shoot an arrow of fret, anxiety, or worry at you, the bottom line will be what? Discouragement. The weapon was looking so rusty, very tattered, overused, and fortunately for that particular exhibition, the weapon happened to be the most expensive. And then they asked the demon, why is this weapon so powerful and so expensive? You know what the demon said? He said, there is nobody born of a woman. No matter how anointed, no matter how spiritual they are, this weapon affects them. You agree with me? There is nobody that can outgrow encouragement. No matter how powerful you are, if you are well-dressed, looking so beautiful, and nobody gave you a compliment, you would think something is not complete. Nobody outgrows encouragement. When you pull out encouragement, the inverse is discouragement. And discouragement does not appear to be a sin. It won't occur to you that it is a sin to be discouraged. And that's what gives the weapon its potency. It doesn't come across to us like it is sinful. You know, if they said fornication, how you can shrink. Not everybody smokes. Not everybody drinks. Not everybody womanizes. Some Christians have developed their power and grace and strength that they can say no to all kinds of vices of the enemy. But very few Christians can escape worry, fretting, and discouragement. Am I correct? And then if you even do a research right now, that the reason why some people are not even in church is that they are battling between discouragement, worry, fretting, and anxiety. Your heart can be so heavy that it will paralyze your leg from movement. Am I correct, saints of God? There are people that there is nothing wrong with them physically, like Pastor Me pointed out on Sunday. The issue they're having is extremely psychological. Psychological issues, psychological burden and weight. And everything is tied around these three powerful words, worry, fretting, and anxiety. So I'm going to continue the subject because until we're able to develop sufficient insulation, sufficient humility, or sufficient understanding of how to deal with it, then we might have to continue to talk about it until you are strong enough. So this evening, I bring you a word that is titled, can we have the slide up very quickly? Uh, title this evening and the same subject be cool be calm and collect you will have been tempted to say collected no the one you're familiar with is be cool be calm and what collect no that is a toasting rhythm that's a toasting rhyme i want to marry a cool collected guy no no that's not the focus this evening the focus is not just be cool, it's not just be calm, it's also realize that in the midst of the storm, after the storm is over, there is something to collect. Am I correct here? So, technically, we are in a season of restoration, because when the storm is over, there is something they leave behind. So, we are in the season of restoration, we are in the season of replenishment, okay? But you see, for you to get to restoration and replenishment, the enemy will throw all the jabs of the Red Sea, the Jericho, the Jordan. Everything is all designed to ruffle you up, to statue you up, to make you give up and give in. Because ultimately, you are not the target. The real target is the trophy that is preventing you from collecting. Are you following me? So, the theme this evening is, be cool, be calm, and 
collect. Someone say collect. Someone say I will collect. Now, in case you don't understand, it, say it this way. Promise yourself you will not go through all this in vain. That at the end of the day, there will be true compensation for you. You will not suffer in vain. You know, you know I love that scripture in that psalm. Said, Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not a good place to be. He said, I will be with you. My Lord understand the com- comfort me. But you know, I like the last verse. I think it's in verse 5 or verse 6. He said, you will set a table before me. That is the collect. Are you following me, saints of God? You will collect. Now, while preparing for this message, I started to ask myself, how best can we make it very interactive? It occurred to me that I'm still learning that style, being able to engage the people, you know, in meetings. And today I'm going to ask you a very practical question. And pardon me. Pardon me the question I'm going to ask you. The scripture we're going to read is in First Kings chapter 4. You would observe that it's a long read from verse 8 to 28. And then after 28, there's a skip to 33 and 36. So before we go into the scripture, let me first ask a very sincere question. A very sincere question. I have believed the lies for many years in my life. I believed it so well that it, it, it regulated my behavior, my planning, my attitude towards life. You know what the lie is? I was told that if I can plan my life very well, if I can arrange myself, gather enough intelligence and information in life, if I know so much enough, I can plan my life, and that planning will produce the expected outcome. But you know what I realized? And not too long ago, I realized that I'd believed the lie for too long. So for instance, we were told then growing up that, read your book, read your book, read your book, right? That if you read your book, you will sit for work, and when you sit for work, you will pass, and when you sit for jam, you will pass, and when you sit for jam, you go to the university, and when you go to university, you come out and you get a job, and you get a job, you have a great income, and then you get income, you have a good wife, and you get a family. Everything started like a linear straight line. Are you following me? And some of you, perhaps, you're also a victim of such arrangement. But you know what? I sat for work, boom. I was, I was so good in biology that even my daughter can confirm to you now that this, my daddy knows biology like his fingertips. Then, my intention was to become a medical doctor. Why? Because I was told that those in science class, they are either medical doctors, engineer, blah, blah, blah. Those in art class. So I stayed in science class. And then I did biology, chemistry, physics. And saints of God, I never passed physics. Is it that you didn't know it? You're such a dollar. No, not that I was dollar. I think I just had a problem on that. Just like I would never be able to pass accounts, no matter how they teach me. You know accounting? That subject does not make any sense in my head. How can you tell me to put together books? Accounts is as how much do you buy it? How much do you gain? What is the loss? What's the gain? And you want to build a whole castle around that common sense. It didn't add up in my head. And so I don't know. Said it's cost accounting, management accounting. The bottom line of accounting is profit and loss. True of us. So it was exercised in futility for me to sit down in a class telling me profit and loss. So I went for a subject that would provoke curiosity in me, that would be graphic enough. So I stayed on biology, chemistry, and physics. Now, what is the problem with physics? Met, um, what's that part of physics now that you do in admats? Uh, no wonder I didn't pass it. Okay, so I moved away from science and went to study art. <laughs> You know, when you were doing Newton, first law of motion, Newton law, blah, 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 and all those mathematics, dy, dx. You know dy, dx? Anybody know dy, dx here? Eh? Ah. You know dy, dx? And every time they would tell me to look for x, I say, where is x? x is always missing in everything. It doesn't cost you anything to just add the x. So it didn't make sense also. It didn't make sense to me. dy, dx equals to... So I went straight to art. And when I entered that government... You know, you know, if you were in a very good school and you went to a good science class, it's always easier for science students to cross to art. I mean, it was just like a, a walk in the park. What are they doing? What are they doing? Is it government, commerce, history, literature, what's all this? It was beans for science students. But when a science student is talking about organic chemistry, those ask, ask them, what is organic? He said, ah, ozone, you know what I'm saying? I have some. So I went there and I did it. 
and I did my best. And today I studied insurance and financial studies. Look at the draft tool. Just check the trajectory. From a science boy, ended up where? Insurance and... What is this story about? The way they told me that if you plan it, you will get the outcome. That A was never equal to B. Some of you are sitting right now that the way you planned your life at age 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, is not what you are seeing right now. Am I correct? I have a witness here. Maybe I'm, I'm the only one standing here. <laughs> they told you that stay as a virgin, you will marry the best man. Until date, you're still keeping yourself. The man is not showing up. What is going on, really? I have believed these lies. Let me ask us a question. Why doesn't our plan work out the way we designed it? Yeah. Is that a good question? Why doesn't our plan work out the way we all designed it? What usually goes wrong? Is it for lack of knowledge? Is it for lack of knowledge? Is it for lack of proper preparation? No, I, I don't know. I, I'm not the only one that is curious to ask this question. Because really, I just don't want to have a conversation that is, that is lifeless. I want something practical. Because the truth is, every encounter with God is a pathway to true transformation. If you have ever read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, one of the reasons why we must come to church, that's where it's in that scripture. He said, as we behold him in the mirror, we unveil and we move from glory to glory. Multimedia, can you help me with that scripture? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So somebody can understand that coming to church is not just an attempt to waste your time or your resources. It's because, but we are with an unveiled faces. The word unveil says you can't see. You can't see. Now, there's an assumption that some of you think you can see. Believe me, the best you can see is now. Five minutes from now, you don't know. He said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as where? The mirror they are referring to this time around is the mirror of the word of God. Oh. Beholding as the glory of the Lord have been what? Transformed into what? The same image from where to where? From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when you come to church, we should unveil the mirror to you so that you can move. If you are not tired of the stagnancy, it's because you are not seeing the right image. If you see the right image, you will produce it. As they see it, they became it. That's what the scripture said concerning the story of Jacob. So I'm asking this question, and I need a very sincere, practical answer. How come our plans don't come out the way we anticipated it or we designed it? Because I've heard somebody insulted me many years back then in school, in my final year. He said, Steve, in, in final year, you know everybody graduates with a lot of expectation. <laughs> ah, oh boy, when I'm done serving... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to apply to PricewaterCooper. I'm going to apply to... No, no, no. I'm going to do my master's in UK. And when I'm back from UK, I'll, I'll start a company of my own. You know, I, I, sometimes I imagine God in his humor. When, when we're having this discussion, with I say, what would he be, <laughs> what would be going through his mind? Look at this one, thinking, talking. What does he know? Why doesn't our plan go as we expected? Why? What is missing? Can someone help me? Please get ready the mic. It's a conversation, it's an interaction midweek service, and I need solution. I mean, anything worth doing is worth doing well. I mean, if you left your businesses, your time to come in here, then you should go back home with the answers to questions in your heart. Why doesn't our plan go? I mean, somebody gets married, marry the best man. Very good man. They love themselves. Have you seen a wedding of 100,000? I read it on, on, on the media. 100,000 was spent on the wedding. In a couple of months or years down the lane, the, man wants, the woman wants to jump into the river. 100 million. What could have gone wrong? That was never in the picture. That was never in the equation. If you look at yourself where you are, you have asked yourself, ah, ah, how did I get here? And let me, be, let me be honest with you. There's no question you're asking that the answer is not in the Bible. But let me hear your practical response. How come plans? The man you loved suddenly changed attitude. What happened? You have been waiting for the right man to say, hello, girl. The in fact, a young girl said, if a conductor should toast me, way back then, he said, if a conductor should toast me in this my lifetime, I would just go and kill myself. I said, why? I said, why? He said, I can a conductor. He said, and you know why she said so? I was preaching there. I've been a pastor, a camp, a pastor on campus, so, and we should tell them the way you look is the way you will be addressed. So, if your look is zero, a zero man will address you. 
The young lady took it to us and said, if I'm this beautiful and a conductor, she told me, that means I have something similar to a conductor. Is it always true? Ah. Why come? Am I the only one talking here? Please help me a little. You know, I really need help now. How come plans don't go the way we expected it? Or am I saying something offline? Am I not making sense? You know, I'm glad Sino Pastor is not around, so I'm free, a little free, you know? Just encourage me a little. Okay, so let me hear. Please celebrate her. At least she's taking the mic to help me out. Um, as you were talking, I just remembered, you know, it's true, we make so many plans. But sometimes, I think our plans are not always realistic. Sometimes, you know, with the talents and the giftings that we have are not in alignment with that plan. And it brings me to Proverbs 19:21, when it says, You make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Very good. You know, I remember I used to want to be a medical doctor. You want to be a medical doctor too? Little, when I was young, you know. Okay. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Everyone asked me. I'm not a doctor. I got to A-level. Well, just, yeah, A-levels. And I decided that I couldn't stand botany. And they told me I couldn't go to medical school without biology. And I knew that biology, A-level, and I were not going to be friends. <laughs> so I just could not stand it. All the drawing, this, like, what kind of nonsense is this? So I had started with four A-levels, biology, chemistry, physics, and math. So I dropped biology and did physics, chemistry, math. So today I'm an industrial chemist. And my first degree is in industrial okay, chemistry. Industrial chemistry. But um, I wanted to be a doctor. Nobody could tell me, you know, up to that A-level stage that I wasn't going to be a medical doctor, you know. So we plan things sometimes. It's not, real, you know, it's not in line with who we really are. We have not looked at all of the plans, you know. Life happens. Life and, happens. And then, Can someone note that for me? Life happens. You know, life happens. And life happens. You Thank you very much. Please make a few welcome. But there's something you said, my man. You said sometimes our plans are not always realistic. I have seen someone who didn't want to be a doctor, ended up being a doctor because he needs to satisfy the parents. And when he graduated from medicine, he went back to fine arts. At that point, would you have said the plan she had or he had um, was not realistic being a doctor? Because sometimes I think, as much as I agree that, it's not that our plans are not realistic, but I like the last sentence you made. We don't really know who we are. There is no amount of plan a fish would have and practice and rehearse to climb a tree. If you know who you are, it will be in consonance with your dreams and desires. If a, tree, if a fish is rehearsing to be the best swimmer, is that plan out of order or out of line? No, no. I want someone to note it. You don't know who you are. Now, the, the point I want to make is that the reason why we have worry, anxiety, disappointment, fret, is because A didn't end up becoming B. Am I correct here? Every disappointment is traceable, every disappointment is traceable to a failed plan. Am I correct? Yeah, every disappointment is traceable to a failed plan. Now, so why do plans fail? Is it that we don't have knowledge, we don't have wisdom? I think not, not always so. Okay, so for instance, let me give you a very, very interesting example. You know, this, our church is such an amazing, beautiful place. Am I correct? But you know that some churches, all they have is benches. Benches, long... The roof is not like this. The roof is zinc. And the number of people going there, they're far more than the people seated here. Have you observed such things? Are they doing something better than we're doing? Something, would, something is wrong with our understanding of life. Something is fundamentally wrong with our perspective of life. And that's what I intend to answer today in this service. Because trust me, I have been to a threshold point of my life where I said, God, this whole thing is not adding up, including Christianity. Including Christianity. A young guy sent a message to me, a pastor on campus in my days. The wife took him and they lost the child because the child happened to be MSS. All right. Shortly, they evacuated the child from the mother. Two weeks down, the, two weeks here, the mother uh, became sick. And this young man prayed with all his life until the woman died. 
I know what he sent a message to me. He said, Pastor Steve, don't say anything in the Bible to me. The hour of my life that I needed God the most, he failed me. But did God truly fail him? No. No. God has sent me an errand this evening to clear doubts, settle issues in your mind, and so you take proper and thorough control of your life. Now, does anybody want to give me another reason why our plans just don't come true? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hey, now I'm enjoying midweek service. I think I've gotten that. Please, um, Pastor Collins' wife, tell Pastor Collins I've mastered it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Praise the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. Pastor Steve, as uh, you started this uh, introduction, my mind's been going around because in those days, like I said here the other time I came for midweek service, I was saying, let me graduate from secondary school. I had a very, very favorite teacher. Let me just go and make money, buy him a car, do this, do that. But that's what we call economic vagaries of life. Hmm. That's and when they, word. When they begin to happen. Okay, please pause on that one, please, sir. Please pause. Mama spoke and said, life happened. Yeah. Note it. What did you call your own? Economic vagaries of life. Economic Vagaries of Val- life. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no so, and uh, while uh, pondering about this, and I just was thinking and remembered Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, King James what? Version. What did you say? Uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. And what? he said, yeah. I returned and saw under the sun hmm. that the race is not to the swift, okay. nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen next to them all. Thank you. I raise my case. All right, so the point here is time and chance. Yes, sir. Who is in control of time and who is in control of chance? So should we live our life to chance? Should we live our life to the factor on the influence of time alone? We would have answers very soon. Any other person who wants to help a little? All right, Mama is in front. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. I think sometimes when we don't achieve what we want is that we make our plans without involving God. We make our plans without involving God. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21, hmm. there are many plans in a man's heart, hmm. but the purpose of the Lord shall stand. Thank you. So when we align our, our plans, our purpose with the Lord's plan, it makes it work for us. But if we are running without God, I don't know how far we want to get. Thank you. Please celebrate our very fantastic response. We make our plans without engaging God. Now, of course, uh, the, uh, as you were speaking, a lot was going through my mind because there are a number of people out there who seem to be having it together and they are not seated in church like us. I'm a very practical human being, very honest, down to hurt. So we're going to really have to talk this evening. But I like what you've said. Any other person want to answer? All right, give Brother Dan at the back there. Um, I think one of the problems is that uh, we try to replan what God has planned for us. Oh, hello. Uh, what are our hands doing? We are trying to replan God's plan in our life. God's plan for our life. Yes, no, that's like, new. Like, like you said in the Jeremiah um, 1 5, behold, I formed, I've, behold, before I formed thee in the belly, I Yay. knew thee, and before thou camest forth, out of the womb, I sanctified thee, yeah. and I ordained thee a prophet. He has already planned our life, but most times we struggle to replan it and not according to his plan. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, if you can process what he has just said, that the manufacturer would design a product, had a plan for the product before introducing the product sure, to us. Sure. Am I correct? Sure. So the product on its own had decided to become something else outside the concept of the manufacturer. manufacturer yes. So most of us are, for some, for some reason, we are working outside the plan of the manufacturer. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. <clears throat> All right, let's go on, because we must be out of here by 7.30. So I wrote down my notes here. Let us read Second Kings, First Kings right now. It's Second, it's second Kings, not First Kings. Please, it's Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four, multimedia, help me. Second Kings chapter four from verse eight. All right, thank you. We're going to have a long read, so pay attention, pay attention, and follow me. Now it happened that one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. 
So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn into to eat some food. We're going to verse 28. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passed by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look. What has happened? And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no what? Son. Not that she didn't have a child, though. All she didn't have was what? A son. Meaning by their culture and tradition and expectation of the woman, she at some point in her life in a marriage desired a son. And her husband is what? Old. Thank you. So he said, call her. And when she had called her, she stood in the doorway. When I read this part of the story, I was impressed with the woman, a very decent woman, who does not enter the room with a man alone. The Elisha was just alone in the room. Some very careless generational women would just bust into the woman's. And then, you know, she didn't want to give any impression. She stood by the door, a very decent approach. She said, about this time next year, you shall embrace his son. Listen to her response here. Please listen to this response. And she said, no, my Lord. Let's not go there. What, does this give? what, what impression is this creating here? I've been through this for too long. Let's just not. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's like, I don't know anybody weary of expectation here. You've had expectation for many years. And then all of a sudden, somebody showed up on your door and said, uh, MD, uh, by this time next week, you will have, uh, MD will believe it, because MD is relatively young. MD, if I say you have 10 billion in your account by this time next, next, next week, you will believe me. You won't, you won't. But you know, let's imagine like Sarah felt, say you will have a son. The woman said, look, I've gotten over the pain and the disappointment of the expectation. I've gotten over the worry. I've gotten over the fret or anxiety. I'm no longer anxious about having a son. I'm okay. Don't bring the image again to my mind. Don't trouble me with this expectation again. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your smith servants. Thank you. But the woman conceived and bore his son. When the appointed time had come, which Elisha had told her. That is the message there. Please hold it. Go on. And the child grew. Now it happened that one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Ah, ah, daddies. Carry him to his mother. What of the father? Now, this is a story. I mean, don't think this is not a story. It's a true life experience. Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon. And then what happened? Play your mind back with a little flip. Did this woman want this son? No. Do you know the kind of mixed feelings you'll be having? I didn't beg you for a son. Now, I'm, I'm glad, though. Thank you for giving me the son. But you see, now you have added an, a layer of pain and disappointment in my heart. It is better not to have known the child than to see the child now dead. In Yoruba, they call it Otishore Daron. Hmm. Then died. Let's go forward. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. I needed to study a character of this woman at this point. Number one, she took the child. In our modern day, women or mothers, what do you think the natural reaction would have been? You would have heard shouting, screaming, noise making, yay! Which was what Pastor was trying to address. Don't fret. When the storm comes, all you need to press is not the panic button. Press the calm prayer button. That's the question I want to throw at you again. Please, what killed this child? The death of this child, was it in the equation when the prophecy was coming? 
Did they ever tell the mother that at some point the child will die? It answers the statement of mama that says, life happens. So what is it? Get comfortable knowing that life will happen. As you are listening to me, either here or offline, please embrace reality. You are not in control of what life will throw at you. Your responsibility is get comfortable expecting what life will throw. It is out of your unpreparedness, your lack of prepare, and your over bogus, beautiful picture of, your, of life in your head that created the crack of disappointment when life throws it at you. You have a bogus, beautiful picture of life. This woman did it. She followed Pastor Femi's slide. Be calm. Stay calm. And she was. Shut the door in and went out. How do you put a dead only son in the room and take a walk out? None of us would have passed that exam seated here. Not, not, we're not talking about a car that broke down. We're talking about a son. A son was not two years old at that point. The son was a grown-up boy about 11 or 12 years old. True life story. Then she called to her husband. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe at this point, the husband was, might, might not even be aware that the child was dead. What kind of woman keeps her calm and cool under such intense heat? What kind of human being would do that? And she called her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may, re- I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, what? It is well. I need you to look at yourself and say, Steve, it is well. It is well. I don't know the kind of storm that has surrounded your thoughts right now in this service, but if this woman could say all this in the midst of this terrible, life-threatening and joy-threatening situation, and yet she could open her mouth and say what? It is well. It is well, oh. Tell your neighbor it is well. Whether you are smiling or not, it is well. Let's read further, please. Let's... Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her far off. She said to his servant, Gazi, look, that's the Shunammite woman. Uh-huh. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? This was the man of God. Oh. This is the person of Pastor Femi Paul. Is it well with you? Is it well with you? That means the man of God had no clue what was going on in the life of that woman at that point in time. She was just, she just observed by some strange energy and countenance of the woman. This woman, something must have gone wrong. She should not be here at this time of the day. Is it well with your husband? No, she started to do guesswork. Is it well with you first? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? So, please, note something here. There are things in your life right now that a touch of the enemy on those things will tamper with your joy. That was what that, that prophet was listing out. You, are you fine? Your husband, is he fine? Then, is your child fine? Please, what did the woman answer to the prophet this time around again? Someone shouts, it is well. Now, you don't understand that what you are saying is a terrible intimidation to the devil. Because as you they see how they switch you, they pain the devil. When the devil wants you to cry, and all you can say with a calm countenance, with a nice step, oh, I wish you can bring the slide of Pastor Femi, where he sat down and said, I'm calm and cool and I'm collecting. Look at that image there. Calm in storm. Times is a sign of what? Faith in God. Look at the way he's seated. Does this man look like a man that has any issue? Maybe this was how that woman looked on that day. He looked at the prophet to eyeball. Hello, Elisha. It is well. Was it well, really? <laughs> Can we go back to the story? Quickly. And she said, it is well. Okay. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But guys, he came here, the protocol. We know protocol people. They came. The guys, he came to say, to push her away. But the man of God said, 
Let her alone. For a soul is what? Is in deep distress. Meaning all that was going on inside of her did not even show on her look. It was in her soul she kept the bitterness and the pain. For her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has done what? So, I mean, you know, the Bible told us in Amos 3, he said God will never do anything except he reveals it first to his prophet. Somebody once asked me in one of the Sunday services, why do you announce pastors coming on stage so elaborately? Are you not making us feel? I said, no, you don't understand. God will not pass any miracle across to you except through his servants. And if you doubt that his servant, remember that scripture in um, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, believe in God, you'll be established. Believe his prophet, you will prosper. I am not the author of that scripture. The day you start to doubt your man of God, you better leave. Because whatever God is going to do, he said, God did this, God did all this without revealing to me. Let her alone for her soul is in this deep distress and the Lord has hidden this from me and has not told me. Let us go quickly. And so she said, did I ask you? How do you think Elisha would have felt here as a man of God? Do you know how many times Pastor Femi shows up here? You will be blessed. The way I see you, you are not seeing yourself that way. And as someone said, did I send you? Remember the day, the last testimony service, one ambassador came here and said that, Pastor used to say, you make me laugh. And ambassador had to say, Pastor, can you please tell me what you see in me? <laughs> it's not different from this question. Did I ask you to make me laugh? I did not say... Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Did I not say I do not want to be deceived? Don't deceive me. Yeah? Go on, please. Quickly, quickly. He went there, yeah, for shut the door behind you. Okay, so now you will move to, you flip to 33 now. So we leave all that and come to 33. So Elisha followed her. He went in there, for shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord God of heaven. You know, it is only what God gives you that God can take responsibility for. Okay, is that correct? And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out, and on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35, and he returned and walked back forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Look at the last verse. And he called guys, he has said, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. Lift your hands together to God right now. Whatever you have lost, the prophecy over this house, they will call you to come and pick your good news. I said, They will call you to come and say, Come and collect your good news. That is the cool, calm, collect. Pick up your son. Now, I haven't read that story. Let's move very quickly. I need to say this by clear perspective that the only sets of people that will be exempted from life happening, there are two categories of people. No bad thing can happen to them. No sorrow, no tragedy, no pain. Just two classes of people that are exempted from anything that can create worry, anything that can create anxiety. Only two sets of people. Who can tell me those two sets of people? Number one, Ah, God, please celebrate yourself. Dead. So if you are seated here <laughs> and you are complaining, this wala will kill me. The, the only thing you want to do is what? If you don't want to be part of the wala, what do you want? And you know that's why they used to tell them, rest in. Because no more Nepal bill, no more. So feel comfortable going through the stress. Enjoy it. Be glad that it's a signal and an indication that you are alive. Only the living can go through all sus. The second class of people that are exempted from all these issues of no light, no husband, no child, no money, no this, the only the second set of people is who? Eh? The unborn. Uh, in case you are in doubt, check it out in the book of um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Is there? Please, multimedia, give me Ecclesiastes 4. I need to show them these things before we... Um, Ecclesiastes 4, are you there? 4, 3 and 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 3. Only let's look at it there. He said, yet better than both is who has never what? Existed. So, if you are alive here, you have been born. You cannot be exempted from when life happens. He said, who has not seen the evil under the sun? It's only the dead and the unborn. So, I will say that, that so long you are alive, 
Life will throw things at you. In the book of Proverbs 19.21, which was the question, the answer God gave me. Proverbs 19.21. He said, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. There are many plans in the heart of my children. I tell my daughter, please be a medical doctor for my sake. I'm not planning to make her the extension of my ambition, but please be a medical doctor for my sake. I know one day she gave me a shocker of my life. You know what she said she wanted to become? <laughs> and inside my heart, I said, I rebuke this devil in the name of Jesus. That thing you said you want to be, no. But you know the truth and the reality is it. We are all planned already. The only the counsel of the Lord shall stand. So what does God expect of us? According to this scripture, he's telling us this, that to get your plan right, seek the plan of God. To get your plan right, to get your plan insulated from frustration and failure and disappointment, seek the plan of God. It is only what God is the alpha. It is the same God that can become the omega. If God is not the alpha of the plan, he cannot claim omega over the end of the plan. It is only God that said it is good from the beginning that can say it will be good at the end. Are you following the sins of God? Now, in the book of Proverbs chapter 21 verse 23, listen to this. Proverbs 21, 23, multimedia, thank you very much. You're really helping me. Is that my scripture? All right, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. This is not my scripture. Can you turn it the other way? Um, can, take it to 24, let me see. It's not. No, no. Bring it to 22 again. Don't worry, I'll find it out. What I want to bring out from there is that the horse is made ready for battle. Hmm? But what? Victory belongs to God. So what, God, what does God expect of us? God expects that in our life of existence, the only responsibility you owe him is the responsibility of preparation. The horse is prepared for, battle, for the day of battle. But what? Deliverance is of the Lord. Your duty, your duty while waiting for life is to what? Be prepared. Eh? 2131. Be prepared. One of the reasons why some of us fret, why we have anxiety and worry, is that when those things come at us, we are never prepared. You are never prepared. Who is prepared for a dead child? How do you prepare for a dead child? And to be honest with us, life will never tell you what it will throw at you. Some people have sick children at home as I speak. Some people have husband that has failed completely, lost confidence in himself as I speak. Some, wife are, some women are battling with, with barrenness like, what is my sin? Can I be honest with you? None of it is their fault. I wish, there's a story in the Bible of a woman, the daughter of Abraham, who was bent on her back for 18 years. You remember the story? And when, they saw, when Jesus saw the woman, the disciples asked Jesus, he said, who sinned? Is it this woman or the parents? What was the answer Jesus gave? He said, neither the woman nor the parents. It was life that threw it at him, at her rather. Ladies and gentlemen, saints of God, listening to me this evening is to say, look, I don't know what's going to happen to you. In fact, you have no control of what life can throw. But you know what I can tell you in this service? Be prepared for everything. The duty of parents for children is not to tell them what to become in life. It's to prepare them for life. True or false? So let's move further. There are three sources of life crisis. Three sources of life crisis. How many? Three. Now I'm narrowing it down so that it doesn't look too scattered in your mind. There are three major sources of crisis in life. Three major. How many? Three. Number one. Spiritual attack. You know spiritual attack is real. Are you only... Um, you remember that song? There's a song like that. 
Only four hours ago, saying, right? The prophecy was for them to stay in Egypt for how long? The prophecy to stay in Egypt was for how long? 40 years. Oh, do you think it was God that prolonged it to 430 years? Ah, no. Do you know why they stayed that long? Believe me, they were not ready. Even when Moses came, they were still not ready. You are still in that problem right now. Believe me, you think you are, you are not ready. You have not even acted ready, and I will show you how to be ready. There are three sources of attack in life. Number one is spiritual. How do they attack us spiritually? In dreams. They attack people in dreams. Are you aware? I have heard people who slept, no headache, no tummy ache. They woke up with headache and tummy ache, and it became a physical sickness. Don't underestimate spiritual world. Spiritual world are more desperate to enter this world and make a mess of our life than we ourselves. Spiritual attack is real. Let me show you a scripture here. Have you read the scripture in Revelation chapter 12 before? Multimedia, help me. Let me show them something here. <laughs> oh God. Revelation 12. Give me verse 8. Move up what it leads to. To 7. You know. Thank you, Mr. Okwe. Please read this statement. Where, this, where did this war break out? Eh? That is supposed to be the symbol, epitome of an atmosphere of tranquility. If you are looking for one of the prayers of everybody seated there is, I want to go to heaven. They had their own share of life happens. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angel, they did what? They what? Use the word, pronounce that word fought. They what? So, one of the requirements to be prepared for life is you must be willing to what? Fight. So, when you meet a Christian, well, I don't know what's going on in my life. Ah, does that person look like someone that is prepared? Imagine my angel, my angel Michael, when the war entered them, and they were like, hey, God, what are we going to do? Oh, God, what are we going to do? Do you know by that natural default and attitude, the war is won? The mindset of a believer, when life throws something at you, you to prepare for what? Fight. That's why you will read, fight the good so in this battle, it's a, it's a fighting kingdom. On this earth, fighting is part of the requirement for survival. If you are not ready to fight, you'll be a victim. You must be willing to fight. You fight in your dream. Have you ever had a situation where someone was chasing your dream? He chased you, chased you, you ran. You woke up, you will go back to that dream and chase that human being. Oh, you've not experienced it? Oh my God, oh my God. Do you know the truth? There's something called there's something called the fighting mindset. If you have a fighting mindset, you will know what to say yes and no to. They fought in heaven. Let's read for that. Five minutes to the end of the service. Oh, Stephen, Stephen. But they did not what? They will not prevail in your life. Yeah. Only if you can. Pastor Jonathan. Eh? It's not by fine boy you. It's by fighting well. You fight in the dream. You prevail in prayer. You have a nasty dream. You get up. You are fighting. Imagine you woke up as a believer from a bad dream. I know you're doing. <laughs> so my life has finished, finished like this. Ah, hey, my life where's pastor. Oh, only make here. It's not a cause. If angels fought. To retain their victory. Your crying will not attract God. God does not pity us. Only human beings pity human beings. God does not pity human beings. Go and read the book of Job. When devil was done with Job. And God showed up on Job and said, Job. Job chapter 38. He said, Job, brace up yourself like a man. baby. Okay. What are you crying for? I have, I, if I fought in heaven, who told you you won't fight on earth? The person that created a problem in heaven, where do you think they took him to? Where is devil? Oh, maybe you should read it. But they did not prevail. Nor was there a place to find them, uh, a place found for them in heaven. They did not, when they drove them from heaven, maybe they drove them somewhere. Where? Where? To fight who now? You, 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 you. Every day, every day you wake up, the devil should be saying, OTG, Omoburuku, he has woken up. He has woken up. Where is he going today? You know the true sense of God? 
Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. Am I correct? It is not a vacational statement. You are in armor mode 24 hours. Why? Because there is no timetable for the battle. There is no timetable. Nobody's coming to tell you. You know, it's not like an exam you write. You know, it's like a student going to, going to uh, university. And then when it's time for exam, he starts to cry. You know, you'll be bothered. Why are you crying? It, it was part of the package when you came to school. But exam was part of the package. The exam is not to kill you. It's to take you to the next level. If you don't pass on the level, will you get to 300 level? So do you cry? Would you cry right the exam? In life, you don't cry. You fight because after the victory, the next level, you collect. Now, oh God, time is gone. Time is gone. The source of attack is spiritual. Some of us seated here, the greatest reason why we're still where we are is that we are not facing the enemy with a bitter and brutal attitude. You are too, you are too soft for the victory you want. First John 5 4 says, he said, whatsoever is born of God, overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You fight your way through. Because what you have in your hand is a treasure. The devil wants to collect it and give it to somebody else. You fight your way through. The Bible said concerning Jacob, he said he held the angel. No, no, if you guys study that scripture in Genesis chapter 28, he said the angel showed up. And he said, look, angel, come here, come, 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 come. I am tired of running around life aimlessly. I'm tired of wandering. I am tired of running from my brother Esau. I am tired of being a mockery in the society. I'm tired of the insult. Come here, angel. Come. He held the angel. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't hold a man. In our modern day, if you, if you are praying on your knee and never took light, and then something just touch your shoulder, you will shout. Oh. You will shout. You are praying. Jesus, I love you with my life. Jesus, you are the best God in my life. And Nepal took light. Jesus, I love. And then you just saw something touch you on the shoulder. Boom. Hey, Jesus, Jesus. But you know what? Jacob was. When you are frustrated, you have no shame. You know the truth? The woman with the issue of blood, if she was going to consider a shame, she will not get the miracle. Life never pushed you to enter a wall. Maybe some of you have even broken the wall. You have entered another wall. When you are frustrated, he held. You know what the angel did to Jacob? He dislocated his thigh. Say you, you are fighting with an immortal being. Ah, you won't do it again. You know what Jacob said? I won't let you go. Ah, uh, you? The, the whole world will see you here today. <laughs> they will see an angel for the first time in their life. The whole world. Everybody come and see Angelo. The angel said, okay, let's calm down. Can we negotiate? What is the problem? I need you to bless me. You mean all this fight was just to bless you? Ah, you can't be blessed. Jacob said, why? He said, the secret of your poverty is in your name. I didn't give you that name. I don't have the right to change that name. But now that you are aware that your problem is the name, I will give you the new name. And he signaled heaven. What shall we call him from now? He said, don't call him Jacob again. Call him what? Israel. Ha! How did he get there? He fought. Stop crying. Stop being a baby. Stop being, stop being pitiful. Spiritual sources. Praise the Lord. It's 731. We can't conclude. We'll wait for another session. Have we been blessed already? Have we been blessed this evening? Be cool like the woman. Where is your child? It is well. Where is your husband? It is well. How come you are, not in the, you are still in Nigeria? It is well. Where is your visa? It is well. Where is your house? It is well. The greatest disappointment I've ever had in my life is that I thought by now, by my plan. Ask my wife over there. I was the best salesman in an insurance company for many years. I thought by now I would be a billionaire. It did occur to me that money has three components. Spirit, soul, and body. I, I didn't know. They didn't teach me. The spirit of money is what drives you to go and look for the money. 
The soul of money is the value the money can bring to you, while the body of money is the paper. The spirit of money is what was written in Deuteronomy chapter 8.21. Yeah, 8.21 it says, I am the God that gives you power to get, it takes power to command wealth. Since I'm children of God, I'm a fighter. Oh, no, 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 no. The last time I cried was when she lost our first child. In that hospital, I said, devil, the day you set eye on my, te- on my tears again, I will tear my Bible. The day, a fighter by default. Sense of God, right from the day of John the Baptist. Until now, until tomorrow, the destiny over your life, so far I what? And only who? How many volume would we have in the house this evening? Put your hands together and celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah.